A very warm welcome to the parish of Casluchur and Gosainen for morning worship this morning. It's absolutely great to have you with us. My name is Adrian and I'm the vicar, but today's service will be taken by some of our lay worship leaders, by Sarah and Valmai, by Rob, Anna, Phil and Claire. So we pray for God's blessing on them as they lead us in worship today, and we look forward to listening for what God has to share with us through them. If you're visiting us for the first time, remember that you can go to our website, syncath.org.uk, to discover a little bit more about what God is up to and how you can play a part in that. And if you feel God putting something on your heart after listening today, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Please do get in touch. As we begin to worship together, let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, You're always more ready to hear than we are to pray, and you give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy. Forgive us those things which our conscience is afraid, and give us those good things that we are not worthy to ask, but through the merits and meditations of Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So let's worship together.
Good morning. I want to talk to you about kitchen scales, not modern digital ones, but those ones where you've got specific weights that are placed on one side until they equal the weight of flour, sugar, butter, etc. We weigh lots of things in life and they're not all kitchen based. Last year, many of you know, I weighed up the fact I would need to move cities and change my job and set up a new home if I was to become Adrian's wife in Gosainen. And it was a no-brainer. Getting to do life with Adrian makes all those things seem easy to give up. He's totally worth much more than what I lost. But if you see me on a weekday night about 7 o'clock, although I really, really want to stick to my Slimming World diet and lose weight, I weigh up that actually in that specific moment, the enjoyment of a chocolate bar is far better. Your weighing scales of life are probably going to be different to mine, but we've all got them. And whether we realise it or not, we're constantly weighing up what is both good and bad for us. This morning, as part of our service, I want to share with you a story about a man named Jim Elliott and his wife Elizabeth and their experience of weighing up what mattered most to them in life. They were Christians and they loved Jesus and they believed passionately that God was calling them to be missionaries to a tribe of people who lived in isolation in the Amazon rainforest in Ecuador. Now this tribe was called the Orca people. Uh, in English that translates as savage. They were the savage people. And they didn't know that God loved them wholeheartedly and wanted his forgiveness and his love to transform their lives. Wanted his love and forgiveness to infuse every area of their community living together their personal relationships, and giving them that secure hope for their future that those of us who know Jesus know. In 1956, Jim and four other men had spent several months dropping off food parcels from a plane to the tribe in an attempt to show friendship to them, and it appeared that they understood and reciprocated. But when they then tried to reach them on foot, all five were speared to death, including Jim. Horrific. Pointless. A wasted mission. Similarities to what Jesus' death on the cross must have seemed like when it happened. But Jim and his wife Elizabeth knew something. In Jim's personal journal, written only months before his death and when he was contemplating what he was doing with the Orca tribe, he wrote, in his own words, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Both him and Elizabeth knew the risks in trying to love the Orca tribe, but they both also knew the greatness of God's love in their lives and God's promises to them that no matter what, both in this life and after death, God was in control and had them safe in his embrace. They'd already weighed up that despite the risks and the sacrifices and potential death, it was nothing compared to the love that they knew they had in God and the need to share that love with people who didn't know it. You might be wondering, was that the end of the story? No. After Jim's death, Elizabeth and their young two-year-old daughter continued ministering to the Orca people and eventually did make contact and go and live with them and the Orca people trusted them. Elizabeth introduced them to Jesus and through this many members of the Orca tribe accepted Jesus into their lives and today Christianity is recognised by members of their current community. Like you, I can't imagine how Elizabeth was able to do that. It is just impossible. Not only to forgive her husband's murderers, but to love them as much as Jim did, anyway. I can only conclude that God must have had something to do with it, because it is impossible. 
by us alone. And when we hear this story, I don't know about you, but we, I naturally want to focus on the great sacrifice of Jim and his life and what he lost on that day. He lost out on, he was just, he was in his late 30s. He had so many years ahead of him, what he could have achieved with his life. And it just seems such a waste. What was lost that day when he died for what he undoubtedly believed in. I want to share with you another side of the coin. Years later, Elizabeth actually has written many, many books and she wrote her thoughts down of her experience and what she she made of that. And she reminds her readers of the other side of that loss, that weighing scale, what was good and could never be lost. And what she says in her own words is this. The deepest things I have learned in my life have come from the deepest suffering. And out of the deepest waters and the hottest fires have come the deepest things that I know about God. And what were these things that she discovered in such tragic, horrific circumstances? How much God can be trusted. How there are blessings in being obedient to what God has asked them to do. Real, real hope and joy in the midst of overwhelming sorrow. And the living, breathing example of following God's call to love not only those that we love, but to love our enemies, to love those who have hurt and wounded us. I doubt many of us listening will have to make that choice to give up our life for for Jesus. But every day we have those weighing scales if we're going to live the way Jesus wants us to live or not. And it is a weighing scale with losses and gains. And as we hear this week's gospel reading now, read to us by Sarah, I urge you to bear both sides of the weighing scale in mind as you hear these words. So over to Sarah. Reading is taken from Matthew chapter 16 verses 21 to 28. From that time Jesus began telling his followers that he must go to Jerusalem. He explained that the older Jewish leaders, the leading priests and the teachers of law would make him suffer many things and he told his followers that he must be killed. Then on the third day he would be raised from death. Peter took Jesus away from the other followers to talk to him alone. He began to criticise him. He said, God, save you from those sufferings, Lord. That will never happen to you. Then Jesus said to Peter, Get away from me, Satan. You are not helping me. You don't care about the same things God does. You care only about things that people think are important. Then Jesus said to his followers, If any of you want to be my follower, you must stop thinking about yourself and what you want. You must be willing to carry the cross that is given to you for following me. Any of you who try to save the life you have will lose it. But you who give up your life for me will find true life. It is worth nothing for you to have the whole world if you yourself are lost. You could never pay enough to buy back your life. The Son of Man will come again with my Father's glory and with his angels, and I will reward everyone for what they have done. Believe me when I say that there are some people standing here who will live to see me come in as the Son of Man to rule as King. This is the word of the Lord. In Christ we have the promise of rescue and protection. We have a way to find life in all its fullness. This gift alone should be enough to change us. Jesus wants us to lose our lives so we can live for him, knowing that he will be with us 
And that's the difference a new life in Christ makes. In one of the most dramatic passages of the New Testament, we see the disciples finding the subject of death difficult to deal with, specifically the death of the Messiah. As Jesus spoke with Peter, he was facing an horrific death. As he prepared to go to the cross, in his impending brokenness, he was about to become the ultimate sacrifice. Peter could not comprehend that Jesus had to die, and what was more, he was choosing to do so. Peter's response, it won't come to that, everything will be okay. How many of us would respond to a beloved friend in distress, belies the seriousness of the situation. Jesus was serious about the task ahead of him. There was no compromise. In biblical times, taking up your cross had a very real outcome. Following Jesus to the cross not only meant leaving behind your family, friends and livelihoods, but also being prepared to die with him. Jesus called on his disciples to lose their lives. He explained that to take up the cross, they must be prepared to give up their lives in every way, spiritually, symbolically, and if necessary, physically. So what about us? Where are we in this calling? How do we take up our cross? In our 21st century lives, what are we willing to give up to follow Jesus? How will we die to the world? When we give up our old ways, for most of us, this means sacrifice. Maybe not buying that lottery ticket, not having just one more glass of wine, not gossiping over that cuppa, letting go of our opinions or prejudices, giving more, wanting less. And, as Claire reminded us, even today, this means sacrificing life itself. In many parts of the world, people still face persecution because they choose to follow Jesus, but follow him they do. Ultimately, they know that holding on to their lives in this world is to lose something far more precious in eternity. When we choose to take up our cross, we choose to die to sin, to love our neighbour, to forgive, to be an example, to stop compromising, to get serious about our faith. We choose to live. Perhaps it's time to get serious about the task ahead. Take all I have in these hands and multiply, God, all that I am, and find my heart on the altar again. Set me on fire, set me on fire, oh, take all I have in these hands and multiply, God. All that I am and find my heart on the altar again. Set me on fire, oh, set me on fire. Here I am, God, arms wide open. Pouring out my life. To the end you will fulfill 
The reading is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. In this passage, Paul spells out very clearly to the new Christians in Rome how they should be living. And this is so relevant today in how we too should be living our lives as Christians and followers of the word of Jesus. In John chapter 13, Jesus in the last days he spent with the disciples that were left, gave a new commandment that we know so well and all try to follow today. Love one another as I have loved you. Love was a huge part of the teaching of Jesus, and if we follow him, then for us too, love should be our way of life. Paul states in this epistle that love should be sincere and that we should hate evil, honour each other, be devoted, and to do it all with zeal. He is painting a picture for us of how we should live our lives. We should live in harmony, have respect for each other, love and be faithful to everyone in our Christian family. Moreover, in that love and faithfulness, we should look after each other, welcome newcomers, and willingly give hospitality to those who need it. To love sincerely sounds easy, and to honour each other and to do it with zeal does too. But we all know it isn't always the case. It's so easy to say I love someone, but do we sincerely? Often relationships in this world can be quite superficial, more like acquaintances which only exist on social media and end at the click of a button. It's so easy, too, to fall out with someone, especially if we've had a bad day at work or the children are nagging. But real, 
sincere relationships stand the test of time and nothing will break them. Remember, Jesus, although fully human, was perfect and free from sin, whereas we are human and of all the frailties of humanity are by no means are anywhere near as perfect as we would like to be. We are all God's people. He loves us unconditionally, takes care of us, protects us and provides our every need and has given us freely the gift of love and joy. Shouldn't we at least try to treat our fellow humans as God treats us and love, honour and respect each other with joy and zeal? Asking God to guide us and help us overcome our failings, which he knows so well. As for our enemies, Paul is quite clear that we should love them, feed them, befriend them, and if there's any need for anything else, then leave that to God. This can be difficult for us too, particularly if we've been hurt badly by someone we need to forgive. However, by asking God's help in prayer and for the help of the Holy Spirit to give us strength, the impossible becomes possible as impossibilities are the end of all things human and the beginning of all things God. We can do it. Good will always overcome evil, so we should live our lives with love for each other and forgiveness for our enemies. And if we need a handbook in our pocket to remind us of how to live, today's reading does the job and provides us with the guidance we need. Amen.
Our readings and thoughts so far have centred around our calling to live a life worthy of being members of God's household. Jesus never made this optional, but called us always to love one another and follow his guiding commandments. We have already seen the Apostle Peter getting a rebuke from Jesus in one of our earlier readings. Interestingly enough, he had another just after he was reinstated by Jesus after the resurrection, as you can read in John's Gospel account. When Jesus indicated to Peter that he would also be crucified, Peter then turned and asked about the future of another disciple. Jesus' answer was quite direct. What is that to you? You follow me. Likewise, we are called into the life of obedience. No matter if someone else loses it and retaliates, or if someone else hurts us, tempting us to react. Jesus is quite specific in that we must act and not react, and that we must do our best to keep our actions in accord with his own example. Just as we have heard so eloquently also from the pen of the Apostle Paul. At least, if we do fail, we can find forgiveness in him and simply ask for more strength to do better in the future. With these thoughts in mind, let us now come before God in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the great salvation that you have worked for us through your sacrificial death at Calvary, permitting us to become members of your household and for the blood shed on our behalf to cover our failings. We pray for John, our bishop and archbishop, Adrian, our priest, and the various officers that make up the church's leadership team. May they know your strength and guidance as they undertake their various duties within the local parish and diocese. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As we have heard today, we pray that you will provide all the strength and inspiration that we need to fulfil our calling as members of your holy family, helping us to maintain a spirit of love and humility in all that we do, so that your church can be the light that our community needs. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We remember before you Elizabeth, our Queen, and the members of her family. Please keep, cover and bless her as she seeks to follow that special path that you have given to her. With so many troubling and unsettling things going on around us at the moment, please grant wisdom to those who exercise authority over us as a nation. Help them to remember their duty, their need of your guidance, and that one day they will be called by you to account for their stewardship. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We confess that as a nation we have largely turned our back on you, preferring humanism and greed, favouritism, injustice and arrogance as opposed to following you. Open the eyes of our people to see what is happening and help us to return to you, that you may again bless our land. Help us to see the hurting, the oppressed, the lonely and rejected, 
and reach out to them. We pray for your blessing on and provision for all those who work in these areas, whether in medical roles, food banks, helping the homeless and so many other roles that can be classified as those who care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Indeed, we pray for the hurting, the needy and the lonely and sick. Please also grant that we will heed any call to be the answer to our own prayers, to be your eyes, your ears, your hands and support to those who need us. We also pray for all the generations within this area. In our outreach, help us to never judge others, but to simply love and accept everyone free from all of the potential prejudices that afflict our society today. Help us to be the salt and light to our community, as you have commanded us. Hear us, O Heavenly Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ, our only mediator and advocate, to whom with yourself and the Holy Spirit be all honour and glory, world without end. Amen. As the service draws to a close today, I just want to say a big thank you to our lay worship leaders for leading the service today. It's inspiring to see individual members of the congregation beginning to discern and to use their gifts to glorify God and to further the purposes of his kingdom in this little part of the world. And if you're listening, you might want to begin to think and to pray about what your gifts are and how you can use those gifts to do the same. I'd be thrilled to have a conversation with you. At the beginning of a new week, I want to pray now for God's blessing over you. The peace of God which passes all understanding Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.
Let's go. 